0: Man, do we have a freewheeling fun show for you this week. My guest is Nicole Sinqui, a Jamaican in the Bronx, as she says on her Instagram. She is also an athlete, a math teacher, a fitness model, a wife, and a soon-to-be 50-year-old mom to an elementary school-aged son. Nicole has racked up many impressive accomplishments. She's a silver medalist in the 40 to 44 age group in the Duathlon World Championships, a bronze medalist in the 40 to 44 age group in the Sprint Triathlon National Championships, a gold medalist in the 40 to 44-year-old age group Duathlon National Championship, Runner of the Year 40 to 44 age group nominee, and Duathlete of the Year Honorable Mention 2012. This spring, she won the Off-Road Triathlon 50 to 54-year-old age group title and finished third female overall. Most recently, she just finished top 25 in her bike racing debut at Steamboat Gravel in Colorado, where she represented Ride for Racial Justice. And this fall, she's going to broaden those competitive horizons to race cyclocross. I came across Nicole through my producer, Carrie, who interviewed her for Triathlete Magazine after Nicole won a cover contest a few months ago. So I looked her up and she was literally popping off the screen with a thousand watt smile and tons of feist and attitude. The more I scrolled, the more intrigued I became. For one, she's simply arresting to look at, hence that model part. She's got abs for days. She radiates this positive energy. There are photos of her lifting and biking and running and striking yoga poses There was a striking side-by-side image of her in a bikini when she was 25, which she dug out again at 48 and put on. As Instagram always does, it left me with all the highlights, with the impression that this is a woman who has all of her shit together and is living the dream every day. This conversation with her pulled back the curtain to reveal a more nuanced real picture. Nicole is Absolutely badass and awesome. But she has had her struggles like the rest of us. And those muscles, she told me, have sometimes been all show and no go. Her sunny disposition has seen its share of cloudy days. During these shows, I like to be a gentle driver of the conversation. And I'll be honest, this one was like trying to steer a runaway train. Nicole's mind is open and winding and wandering and I just wanted to follow her thoughts where they took us and I wasn't disappointed. Her stories of being kind of a wreck during her perimenopausal years and how she gave herself grace and time and space to find her athletic self again were so insightful and wise and I'll be replaying them in my mind for a long time to come. So buckle up for this one and enjoy the ride. Before we get to it. Quick weekly reminder to come join us in our social media channels. We're at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. We have a private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook channel growing ever so quickly. We are at about 7,500 women now. You can come in and ask us anything that's on your mind. If you want to deep dive into all things active menopausal living, we've got the Feisty Menopause membership where we offer in depth materials, expert webinars, and sponsor discounts. You can learn all about that at feistymenopause.com. Speaking of feisty menopause, I just want to take a second and invite you all to join us for our virtual summit coming up on September 24th through the 26th. We have gathered an amazing array of speakers, including Rebecca Rush, Amanda Thebe of the Metapocalypse, celebrity trainer Casey Duke, orthopedic Dr. Vonda Wright, sex specialist Dr. Lauren Stryker, and of course, Stacy Sims of Roar and Menopause for Athletes courses. A ticket will get you into all of the sessions, including the expo and some online meet and greets. And if you can't, or don't want to watch it all that weekend, can't blame you there. You have access to all the replays until the end of the year. You can watch the whole thing until December 31st. So head on over to feistymenopause.com, get your ticket and join us. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a quick word about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. I have a pronouncement to make. I am wiggling my toes. Why am I making this seemingly ridiculous pronouncement? Because it's been a long time since I could. Specifically, my right big toe. See, I have a bone spur at the base of that right toe. It is so big, my podiatrist said it looks like a party hat. And it has caused anything but a party in my foot. It has caused a lot of inflammation and stiffness, and there are times when it's been barely functional. I work through it, I have taken some anti-inflammatory supplements over the years that have made it mostly livable. Now, thanks to our new show sponsor, Prevenix, it's way more than livable, it's functional. It doesn't wake me up throbbing at night and I can actually wiggle the toe and lift it off the ground. My left hand that used to ache from where I broke it in a mountain bike crash 10 years ago, that doesn't ache anymore either. If I hadn't experienced this myself, I frankly wouldn't have believed it. And I was super skeptical when Prevenex approached me with their joint health product, but I stopped my other supplements, started this one, and within two weeks, the difference was remarkable. I honestly did not expect that. So I did a little research and the main ingredients check out. First one is eggshell membrane which contains collagen, glucosamine, chondroitin, and hyaluronic acid, all of which have shown significant benefits in early research. And the other ingredient, Boswellia serrata extract, was found to even be more effective than glucosamine in some studies according to examine.com. Prevenix has an array of other supplements including Omega Pure Plus, which is an omega-3 fatty acid supplement, which is sourced from wild omega-rich fish and is totally free of heavy metals and mercury that can build up in your body. That's a big deal. They also have a vegan protein powder, which I know a lot of our listeners are keen to find. And that product, Neurofi Plus, is low in sugar, high in branched chain amino acids, and contains probiotics and digestive enzymes that are super easy on the belly, which I really appreciate. So thanks to their sponsorship of this show, listeners can get 15% off their first time purchase by using the code HITPLAY at checkout. Again, you can go to previnex.com, that's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X, and use the code HITPLAY at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. And if you don't like it, the company offers a 100% money back guarantee on all of their products within 30 days, no question asked. That's how much they stand by their products, and I can tell you, with good reason, they work. Check it out. Go to Prevenex.com. use the code HITPLAY at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. So, Let's start with the basics because I actually tried to find a little more on your history and I came up with your math teacher on LinkedIn, but I I couldn't really find the, your origin story as a, as an athlete. I, I, kind of thought maybe you were a runner first, but let's, let's hear a bit about that.
1: Okay. So I start, um, my background in terms of family background is, my mom's side of the family is very athletic and they use, I have a number of cousins and aunts and uncles who used to play for the Jamaican national team, um, in badminton.
0: Oh, As nice. the Americans
1: say, badminton. <laughs> <laughs> badminton. <laughs> badminton lawn sport, have fun. There's no fun. Okay. Um, And so as a kid, like I would go to the badminton courts um, and watch my family play. And um, my grandmother had a courtyard that um, that had a badminton court on it. And, you know, what? just being athletic was something that was present in my life. And then when I came to the United States at eight, um the instant family that i had in jamaica just wasn't there and when i say instant family i'm one of six girls and my mom's one of 13 yeah so we Ooh. always had people to play
0: with we had instant that's teams. a lot of shuttlecock going on <laughs>
1: <in> <laughs> <Jamaica>. <laughs> nice i saw what you did there i like it <laughs> that was a lot of shuttlecock yes and with with the feathers shuttlecock with the feathers we didn't play plastic um And um, so when I came up, like, I thought of myself as an athlete, but I also had to navigate the weird Jamaican girl who um, spoke differently and had no friends. (laughs) I know. I'm kind of over it now. And um, yeah, while I thought of myself as athletic, like, I didn't, my mom was the, um, the sole provider, and you know, she was working all the time. She wasn't taking us to soccer practice or anything like that. I mean, I also didn't know how to play soccer, and uh, it wasn't until high school that I um, that I was on a team. And I remember walking towards um, the field hockey tryouts because my sister had done field hockey, so I figured. I do field hockey, you know, no I played of, field hockey. Yeah. No mind yeah. of my own. I was like, you do that. Then I'll do that. Yeah. Um, feel hockey. I'm glad I didn't play because like that back, I can't, I don't understand how you don't have like lifelong back injuries from, <laughs> from being hunched over of- <laughs> because the yeah. sticks
0: are so it's a very right. strange thing, right? Yeah. I'll give you
1: the two foot long stick <laughs> and that it's like, crazy. And my science teacher was the coach for cross country. And I had to walk by the cross country coach to get to field hockey. And he saw me and he said, Hey, Cinque, you're coming out for cross country? Uh, sure, I'm coach loss. <laughs> and that was it. Like, I just went to cross country practice. And Celine, it was the hardest thing. That- The first day we had to run about two miles. I'd never run two miles before. And I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? And I remember the first time I ever ran like three miles and six miles, I thought, wow, I'm able, people can do this in a row. So I was really proud of myself. Um, Was I very fast? Absolutely not. Um, But I still, you know, like I loved movement. I loved being outside. I love the camaraderie and it was great. And in terms of running cross country, when I was in high school, again, like I just, there's certain things in life, many things in life that I always feel I didn't get the memo. (laughs) And so, you know, so we started out um, on campus, ran off campus and returned to campus. And, you know, there's nobody off campus watching, but there are people on campus watching and so I would race out ahead and then I would walk. And <laughs> I would come back and I would race in. And my, my coach, he goes, Sinkwee, when you're out there, do you walk? And I said, sure, do coach loss. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I get tired. I get tired out there. And I eventually learned to, you know, like figure it out in terms of you have to pace yourself and all that. Um, and I also ran track when I was in high school and I want to look back and I think who said it was okay for me to be an 800 meter runner. Celine, I'm not going to tell you my time. That was ugly, okay? I was I have no fast twitch fibers, zero. And like the 800 should not have been my sport. In fact, it no. was not. <laughs> it,
0: yeah, it was I ran ugly. 800.
1: <laughs> Man i just thought why are you all going so fast we have two did they just
0: need someone in the 800 because it's often what they do they're like great she'll run the 800 we need (laughs) somebody to run the 800 she'll do it she won't question us i don't even
1: know what happened i think there might have been a girl on the team who was fast and she was nice to me and i thought oh you run it then we run it And nobody said, hey, you're awful at this. And so, you know, I ran track and cross country in high school, but was I anything special? Absolutely not. And then in college, I ran cross country and I went to Amherst and division three school. And I thought division three, how good are those athletes? Well, let me tell you, I, you know, went out, started the race and I thought, ladies we're smart we don't need to be this fast where are you going (laughs) yeah um and when i when i had gone to amherst the um our team just it was a young team and so we were not as fast as what the amherst um, cross-country team is now so I think I was like the third runner on the team, third or fourth. And uh, that's because anybody else who could run just hadn't come out. (laughs) (laughs) But the funny thing about running cross country was I'd go to cross country practice and, you know, it was fine, but my love was mountain biking. So I would leave practice and go mountain biking. And so the next day at practice, like I was tired. I was always
0: tired for practice
1: and um, like, I wasn't very good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so then, then, but you become very good, right? Like, I mean, I, I see where I come into your story. You've raised six <laughs> national and world championship duathlons <laughs> and triathlons. And you seem to have had a hell of a spell in 2012 and 2013, yeah. where you were a runner of the year nomination, uh, 2012 duathlon national champion age 40 to 44 silver medalist duathlon world championships, bronze medalist 2013 duathlon world championships, it goes on and on, so, <laughs> um, you know,
1: So, okay, so yeah. um, thanks for asking that. So, in terms of running, I'm nothing special, but the biking, like, I really love the biking. I have good bike handling skills for mm-hmm. the most part. And, um, like, I <clears throat> I felt differently about myself as a multi-sport athlete than I did as a runner. And I, credit my husband for recognizing that I should go back into a multi-sport because I remember him saying, so I think you should do, he goes, you know what? You're a pretty solid runner, but honestly, you're nothing special. (laughs) Um, And if you go back to multi-sport, you're more likely to get on the podium. So would you consider going back? And I was like, Oh, you know what? I actually did a couple in college and I did well, but I didn't want to invest in road bike because I had my mountain bike. And at that time I didn't know that people could have two bikes. I was like, wait, what? You can have two bikes. Um,
0: Or 10 or or 10. Exactly. (laughs)
1: There's no, never enough, never enough. And um, then we got back. um, I got back into multi-sport and, I was particularly successful around the 2011-12 um, season, yeah, and I remember, well, I think one of the things that contributed to that success was I had my son in 2011,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the whole process of, you know, creating a child, birthing a child, recovering from that, I, I thought there's no race that's harder than this. Oh, that's true. How old old were you at that time? So I was 40, 41. So I had, I had Simon um, just um, um, about um, two months shy of being 40. Okay. And um, in terms of the pregnancy, like, you know, things went well during the pregnancy. And he, when I went into the, to labor, the, the nurse said to me, she said, did you have a birth plan? And I said, yeah, you know, I want it to go natural, but like, that's not the most important thing to me. The most important thing to me is to have a healthy baby. And she said, and there was just this look of concern on her face. And she said, um, okay, this is real. Your, um, your vitals are skyrocketing. You have preeclampsia and, um, and they were really worried that I was, um, going to have a seizure and, um, in, she didn't have to induce me because like she said, Oh, like you really like, you're ready to have this baby. And, um, and I had Simon. And right after giving birth, I thought, whoa, like, I thought that the giving birth was the hard part. And it felt like I had just done a very tough race. And somebody said, Oh, you have two more miles to go. Because I was in a lot of pain after that. And, the, um, and my husband said to the doctor, like, there's something wrong. And the doctor said, um, no, she's probably just, um, just having pain from the sutures. And he, Jonathan said, she just had a baby without drugs. It's not the sutures. There's something wrong. And um, they figured out that I had a rectal hematoma, which is just like the blood pooling in the capil- capillaries in the rectum. And it is the most painful thing.
0: Oh, my God.
1: It is the most painful thing. And so after that, yeah, so I was on morphine, and it was just it was awful. And it took a couple of weeks to recover from that. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where something's not right. I will Google it. And my husband's like, don't Google it. Don't Google <laughs> right, it. I'm dying. I <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. And nobody on the Internet ever says, hey, I had this and I recovered. Right. Um yeah, and so I keep thinking that, like, anytime I do something, for example, when I put dry ice on my leg, yeah, I really did that. I know, I know, like, I kind of have sense, but like, it was a pain and it was COVID, and Celine, I didn't put it directly on my skin, I put a towel in between, <laughs> but still it burned it burned my leg and the thing with dry ice is it was um it numbed my leg so i didn't feel it burning anyway i had this huge blister it was crazy 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 but i actually put a post up about it just like hey just to know that i didn't lose a leg but don't do that that's really stupid you never right, don't, hear. People don't google your but...
0: medical care
1: <laughs> <laughs> no right that's what we do
0: is, that's yeah. it that's this age um so you recovered from that very well, though, because if I yeah. understand this correctly, six months after this birth <laughs> experience, including this side tangent with this terrible, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> right. you, you won an, another age group national championship. Was national. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you know- were nursing your son 10 minutes before the start. Is that? Yeah, you know, so, okay, so here's the thing
1: like I'm not superwoman, like Simon gave me extra powers, right? So I think the blood volume from having given birth, and I just I just held that in, into my mind and my heart. It's like, hey, this is not hard. You have blood volume, <laughs> you have increased blood <laughs> all volume. this
0: extra blood, yeah.
1: And I was like, That's you know, that's what's going on here. So you have the blood volume. You have the knowledge that you, you created a kid, gave birth to the kid and stood a lot of pain. So go do this. And um, like one thing I did wrong in that race was, <laughs> well, two things I did wrong. I, I do a lot of things wrong, Celine. Um, one was I decided that I was going to save some time on taking off my shoes at transition. I'm always a diva in transition. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll wear this outfit. Nope, I'll wear this and I'll brush my hair. Like, I don't know what I do in transition, but I'm always like dead last. Anyway, so I did stupid things in transition. Um, But the second thing is... Trying to save time, I opened up my goo packets, my, my, my goo gels before because I didn't want to lose a second opening it up. And so when I went to eat, it was just like all over my side. And I was like, I'm so like lacking nutrition. I was like wiping it off my side and licking my hand. And I remember in that last mile, it went from, you know, when like you're just your car just like is losing gas. <laughs> it's like, OK, it's and it's slowing down. But, you know, I made it through and um, and I met the most amazing women in that race. To this day, I think it's one of the greatest races I've ever done, because I met people like Laura Klein, Ellen Hart, Corey Krissick, you know, Gail Katuf. Like I met beautiful women who I thought wow, you are, you know, 30, 40, 50, and it, it doesn't have to stop. Mm. And like, I just, I felt so lucky. And, um,
0: yeah. Well, speaking of, I mean, and I want to, and I want to get into this quite a bit more, like, so most recently this past May, you came in third overall and won 50, 54 age group off-road triathlon nationals, Right. Like there seems right. to be a time gap in there, you know, be- right. between some of these notable races. And you're also, I believe, post-menopause now. Is that yes. correct? Yes. So yes. baby, post-menopause, all these races, what have your hormones been doing? Did you 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 race, did you race through perimenopause? I mean, like, did you have symptoms? You know, like, what has that been right. like for okay. you? So- the
1: hormone stuff, that stuff is real. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I know there are people out there who say, oh, age is just a number. And yeah, like I do think there's this mental side of racing where you can decide that I'm too old for this. I mean, like at one point, women at 40 thought they were too old to race, right? But you look at these 40 year olds and,
0: oh, 100%. It's a Shark Tank. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: It is a yes. Shark Tank. Um, But for me, I remember that I tried to do um, a marathon and I hadn't done a marathon in a long time because honestly, that distance just kicked my butt. I, um, when I compare my half marathon times with my marathon times, as my husband said, you know, in like a joking way, he's like, did you train? I was like, I did train. It was really hard. I would get to like mile 20 at not a very impressive time, but I would think, mile 20, if like, if it felt like this, I would do long runs more often. And then I got to mile 20 in a step and I thought, time to walk. <laughs> it was tough. Um, so I trained for a marathon um, when I was about, let's see, 45 or so. And, I, and during the, the training cycle, I just remember thinking there is something going on because this run that should be really easy my, you know, heart rate is skyrocketing. And then I would do um, like a track workout or something that was supposed to be tough. And I was like, Oh, I am shocked by how easy that felt. Um, So there was nothing and my husband's my coach, and he, um, he always said that I didn't follow the the natural, you know, arc of other athletes, he said, you know, where I should give, I normally would give somebody this kind of taper, you respond by getting having intensity before. And so like, he would look at my patterns and say, like, there's, it's just very different from even what you used to do. And, um,
0: so you I think the hormones the- were fluctuating at that time and that Absolutely. was what was affecting your performance and recovery. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And I remember going into um, this the marathon race, and at mile two or so, I was I was shooting for you know like like 315 and um, and I was going downhill on mile two downhill Celine and I'm doing like a 730 and my heart rate's about 175. And I was like, I'm not even like, my legs weren't going fast or anything, but I was just having a hard time, like settling down. And then I would stop, I would walk and I would get my heart rate back down and I would run 10 steps and it would shoot right back up. And, um, and, you know, like I went back and forth for a while. And then at mile 13, I just thought, why am I doing this? Like, I know I can run a marathon. I'm not trying to just complete something. And I just, I dropped out and, um and I don't like dropping out of stuff, but like, I didn't even feel like it was a failure. I felt like I I have no control over how my body is responding. And after that, like, I just took a bunch of time off and I took a bunch of time off one for the, um, for the hormone stuff, as well as like, I had a bunch of injuries at one point I had a herniated disc <laughs> and the herniated disc was the result of nothing but old age. I had no trauma.
0: And you know, Hormones I, can it, affect that too. I've been writing about that. Like the hormone fluctuations can also, and I hear it a lot in our groups can make you more vulnerable to injury as well. And you're not the first to say like, this strange stuff happens like, and there's no real reason for it.
1: So I had done a 10 mile run and I remember thinking, and I believe in gratitude and just like putting it out in the universe. I was like, wow, universe, thank you that I am fit enough to go out and cover 10 miles. Thank you. The next day felt fine. The following day couldn't walk. And mm. couldn't walk, not because I had muscle pain, or whatever. Right, right. My back is seized up, and I remember having to roll over into the shower to pee. And I was like, I can't even get on the toilet. And I was like, and I said to my husband, I was like, all right, I just have to figure this out because I have to go to work. He goes, You're not going to work. You can't <laughs> even pee. I was like, maybe I could roll over into the bathroom.
0: <laughs> but um, excuse me, students. Yeah. Exactly. Right,
1: right. And yeah, the doctor
0: just. How said, did you How did you yeah. deal with it?
1: So I had a lot of PT, I had injections, and the first time I had the, um, I forget if it was, um, was it a, corti- no, it wasn't a cortisone injection. I forget what kind of injection I had um, that I was like, wow, this works. Um, and shortly after, like a week after I was able to, to move again, and then it came back. So it came back a second time. And, you know, and the doctor told me, she's like, once you have this, you're more likely to have it again. And um, just for years, I had um, back, hip, hamstring, Achilles, just, I just felt it was whack-a-mole. Like <laughs> there was any time I felt good for a day, I thought, all right, if you're lucky enough to have this for a week, you're really lucky. And so I never was able to get any solid training in. Um in fact, I didn't care about training. I didn't even care about exercise. I would do stuff here and there, but like, it was, it was pretty demoralizing to see how my body had just broken down when I had seen myself as a certain way. I was like, okay, I'm strong. I'm fit. You know what? It's in your head. Just go out and do it. And I thought it's not in my head. It's in my back and it's in my hip. And like I ever, yeah, I I felt really sorry for myself and I hate that feeling.
0: How did you get through it? How did you get out of it? I mean, you you clearly did since you've you <laughs> um, know lined up yeah. and and kicked some ass. <laughs> um,
1: couple things. One is, I tell anybody who has the means or desire to go to therapy, do that. I have you know, I have a therapist who has just been really instrumental in my success and. I remember like there was one race where he just like gave me permission to go do well. Like, it's so funny because I always talk to him. um, Well, I talk to him about everything, but like, I always joke with him that he thinks everything about me is like my dynamic with my five sisters. And I'm always trying to, (laughs) to, you know, to get some love from the family. (laughs) And he's like, I give you permission to do well. Um, So one is therapy where you just like, Talk it through and figure out like what are your buttons, and um, and also to give yourself the grace to like enjoy life. That's one. Two. I married up. I married. Um, I married a man who is so loving to me. And I remember there was one time in um, after I had done really well, you know, with racing after Simon's birth. And I I got injured as well as I was suffering from postpartum depression. And you know what? I was able to go to work because you always go to work. (laughs) Um, But I wasn't doing much else. Like I wasn't being a good wife. I wasn't being a good mom. I was doing the basics of being a mom. And um, my husband said to me, he goes, I need you to go back to therapy. And I said, we can't afford it. And he said, I would pay anything to get my wife back. And, and he just makes time for me and makes sure that I am, you know what, I'm doing healthy stuff, whether it's because like, if I get down like that, I, you know, I'll cook food for the family, but then I'll eat cake for dinner. And he's like, you can't do that. You cannot do that. And I was like, but I'm not hungry. And, and he's like, no, like in terms of your mental health, like the nutrition is part of it, you need to get your sleep, you need to get your nutrition, and um, you need to be more mindful of that. And I think recently, so I was talking to Lauren Antonucci, who is a nutritionist, she's a dietitian. And um, she said, I said, Lauren, what are the things as an older athlete that we really need to focus on? She said, "Protein." you got to get in your protein. And one of the things I always thought about in terms of athletics was you just go out there and you work hard. And you know, yeah. And yeah, you can outwork the next person, but at some point like there is no more work to do in terms of the activity. What are other things that you can do? So I um and Jonathan, my husband will say like you're not good enough on this is like I started to think a little bit more about my sleep. I have the worst sleep hygiene, the worst sleep hygiene. Um, so try and, you know, get some positives from the sleep. Think about your nutrition, like for your rest days, really take it easy. Um, and I've been much better about that. Whereas before it's like, oh, there's ego involved. I'm going to run harder on my rest days. But now I'm just like, oh, I know how to go slow. Um, and yeah, so the big things were, were, therapy, um, having somebody who supported me, and then just getting into like little upticks of, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better, and then going from there. And I do have um, a chiropractor who does ART on me, um, Dr. Duggan, who my goodness, this man is, he's the best. And he, I've been doing more body work. So over this, um, this summer, I was going into uh, to see him like every week to two weeks. And I thought, this makes a huge difference. This, um," and it's something that I can't really do during the school year, because he's not, he's inconveniently located. But it's just um, really paying more attention to um, getting the little things done and the rest factor. Like you can't work out the way you did when you were twenty. You know, in your twenties, that recovery took a lot longer. Um, oh boy, it took a lot longer.
0: But that what I'm hearing is like this was a whole mat- multifactorial approach to getting you healthy. You know, again, oh, like yes, it's sure. easy to sort of dig this hole for yourself, and then your hormones start doing things and. You just keep trying to plow through, and your body's like, mm, maybe not plow through. And no. then you have, yeah, and then you you sort of stood back and looked at the whole picture. And I, I really, I really like that. I like that. Uh,
1: yeah, that and approach. Celine. Um, the other part of it is was realizing that okay, I might never have a season again. And you know what? If I can feel grateful for movement, which I have been. For the next 10 years, and not even go fast, that was okay, too. And so it was um, for the, so there were a number of years where just, you know, get in the, the movement for mental health. Yep. Like, you're not there's no race that you're signed up for. So, so I didn't have to push the getting in shape faster. And I think right. that was helpful as well.
0: Like many of you, I try to eat well, train well, take the supplements I need, and track my recovery, sleep, and progress. So imagine my surprise when I found out I had elevated blood sugar, high cortisol, out of whack lipids, and was borderline anemic. Yeah, all while I was racing well and feeling actually pretty great. Turns out, all of my training stress was taking a hidden toll. How did I find out? Inside tracker. Inside Tracker is a service that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and their blood tests also include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part? They don't just give you data; they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. And I've taken those actions myself, and have been improving those markers and ultimately my health. So, for a limited time, my friends at Inside Tracker are offering my listeners twenty-five percent off their entire store. So go to insidetracker.com/feistymenopause to take advantage of that offer. Again, it's insidetracker.com/feistymenopause feisty menopause, I can tell you it works. And you told me in our our conversation the other day before the show that, that you are very good at not comparing your present self to your former self. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's something that is not an easy thing to, to arrive at. Right.
1: So you
0: know what yeah
1: in um like right after simon was born like i was feeling strong and it's funny because i think you know um like after he was born i remember thinking oh this motherhood thing i'm sleeping like two hours able to exercise i got this i got this and then you know when postpartum depression hit i was like i don't got this <laughs> i don't got this um But yeah, so things were really good then. And I see, you know, um, a number of collegiate athletes who have done so well. And I never got to that height of, you know, greatness that they did. So um, I'm like, so I'm still chasing something. I don't know. Right. Right. Right? And so they um, I know a couple of people who just like, okay, I could I could never run that again. And so there's this lack of motivation to get back out there. And for me, like even though I was never at that level, like I know full well, like I'm not going to run those times that I did 10 years ago. And some people at 50 can do that. You know, God bless them. I can't. And like so rationally, I know what are my choices to think about not being able to do it, do nothing, or be where I am and get some joy about being better than yesterday. And um, and you know what, and there's the age group, like age group exist for a reason, because we aren't supposed to be able to do what we did. Ten right. years ago. So you know what, so if it's a matter of trying to find competition and all that, then I can compare myself with other 50 year olds.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a, a super healthy attitude. And and it seems like you are now uh, taking that into the gravel scene, if I'm correct, you were just out at Steamboat Gravel. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, where you
1: where you did was this your first gravel race? It was it was my first bike race ever.
0: Oh wow! Okay, okay, and you did super well. You got 25th overall in the women's field, and that is a strong women's field out there. And seventh in your age, yeah, yeah, they can. (laughs) And seventh in your age group. Um, How was it for you? Okay,
1: so first of all, I hear it was a beautiful course,
0: (laughs) and I say I hear. You'll see pictures. pictures. I'll
1: see pictures, and you know what? Honestly, like. I went out there and I wanted to race. I wanted to race because I know that there's been a lot of sacrifice in terms of my family sacrificing time, you know, resources, all that for me to get, get out there. There were sacrifice on the, my team, Ride for Racial Justice, who got us out there. And I thought, I'm going to show up. I am going to show up without excuses. And <laughs> oh, this is so my family. I called my sister um, two days before the race and I said, Kareen. And I send her pictures. I said, I have um, these sores on my hip. Like, what is this? And she goes, You have shingles. And I was like, Shingles? Oh no, I've trained so hard for this race. Boo hoo hoo. And her response was, People are dying from COVID. I don't want to hear it. Okay, just get it together. Yes. That is my family. It's, I don't want to hear the whining. She said, just go get a prescription. Um,
0: did you actually have
1: shingles? I did. Uh, shingle. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And she goes, go, you know, go to the doctor, get, um, and she's, she's a doctor, um, go get a prescription and then um, it'll be fine. And I said, okay. And then um she told me, you know, what, what meds I would be taking. So of course I I Web MD it. I look and I said <laughs>
0: what have we oh. learned?
1: <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, you know what? Like one of the side effects is diarrhea and I can't have diarrhea. And she said, I don't want to hear it. And I was like, okay, okay. And and I, I'm laughing because when I went to boarding school. So I'm 13 years old. I'm, I've am i never been away from home before. I'm homesick out of my mind. I'm crying all the time. And um, my parents dropped me off at boarding school. And um, so my dad was living in Jamaica. My mom was here. And my dad would come up like three times a year. And so they dropped me off. And my mom tells a story about leaving the dorm and my dad just pauses in front of the um the dorm and my mom looks at him and she goes oh that's nikki you hear crying out the window she did that every weekend
0: oh god oh yes the kind of family here we are i've got shingles i like a diarrhea go race it's fine it's only nine thousand feet of elevation what could go wrong she's like
1: race or don't race and To be honest, like this whole idea of racing and putting digging deep and putting herself through hard stuff. You know, what? it's a privilege because yeah. we have yes, life so good that we have to invent pain. and not, you know, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not a refugee who's having my child ripped out of my arms yeah. and like, going through that devastation. I'm just like, I have to dig deep in a race that I signed up for and I might have to climb another hill. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It's like, you're going to race or not? What? And I was like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But um, the gravel race, first of all, so much fun, so hard, cool people, gorgeous scenery, and um, there is no chivalry out there. I was with a pack at one point, my chain dropped, and then I got dropped. I like, hey yay, wait for me! <laughs> hey come back here (laughs) no
0: wait for the next group to come by Yeah. yeah
1: exactly um but you know what with that race and sometimes I just need to do a race to see what are the possibilities and yeah I had in mind like I wanted to be in you know the you know, top third or so, which I didn't even know what that meant. Just like when I f- did my first half iron, I went from sprints to half iron for a triathlon. And I was like, I've never done this before. I hear five breaking five hours is a good time. That's what I want. I want to, you know, break f- five hours. And I did four fifty seven. I was like, okay, I'm cool with that. This is my race. And then, you know, we had a baby and I was like too much training. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, not that this gravel race, like I trained so hard for this and, you know, whatever my husband said, I did. And he always says, he's like, you don't listen to me. And as a husband, he is correct. I often don't hear what he says, but as a coach, coach, Oh, every word I hang on to. Um, so with having done the gravel race, I thought I want to go back next year. And as a 50 year old, um, I want a podium and, um, I think it's going to be hard, but that's a goal. And I may or may not achieve it, you know? Yeah. That's what's happening. Yes or no. And, but it's something to strive
0: towards. Totally. Do you do cross-training? Do you do any work in the gym? Um, so yeah,
1: so most of my gym work was, um, like I would do pull-ups and push-ups, um, It was pretty much pull ups and push ups. But um, in this last year, I've been doing some stuff where, like, I'll do lunges with the kettlebell or Mm -hmm. like a little bit. And I know I should do more strength training. but I'm not so good at that. But I do talk a lot about it, like each day. I think I spend a good three hours saying how I'm going to strength train, and then I don't. So I wonder if I can. You're getting there. You're working hours. your way up to it. Yeah, working my way up, exactly. Um, and then I do like, I'll do some yoga and I'm also really good at being on Instagram and curating a list of what are good exercises, but I don't do any of that.
0: Um, but yeah. I, I have no, a respect that honesty. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and I, I swim. Um, I swim sometimes I, you know, because I was um, training for the triathlon. So I have, you know, I have some swim bike runs and the running these days is like, oh, Once or twice a week, the running is a lot less than it used to be and a lot slower. And that's okay too.
0: That is okay too. Yeah. Um, I have to ask speaking of Instagram, do you actually still have that bikini from when you were 25? (laughs) I saw a picture where you're like, you had a bikini on when you were 25, and then did you put it on again at 48? Like, was that actually a thing?
1: It was. (laughs) It was. And um, I think the most impressive thing about that photo, which is what many people noted, is that the elasticity in that bikini still, um, was present. Um, and I'll tell you in the bottoms very much. So in the top it was cardboard and I really had to like tie the top. It wasn't, uh, you know, connect it. It was like tie, you know, tape it in the back for Instagram because, you know, Instagram is all about what you don't see. And, um, and, and, you know, some people say to me, Oh, like you managed to like have it all. And I think, have you not learned this stuff is fake? And you know, I I hope I'm not one of these people who puts it on Instagram that my life is perfect. I am, you know, I do put it on Instagram that I, I am lucky and I'm grateful. But yeah, like <laughs> I put a picture one time of this photographer, took a picture of me um doing double launders. And I said, oh, I really like the shot of when I hit ground, right? <laughs> because what happens when you hit ground? Like I looked like I was 90. Um, it was just, I looked horrible. And that's the thing, like you never see, nobody's posting about, hey, I postpartum depression. Right. Hey, I'm eating cake for dinner. I um, because when they talk about I'm eating cake for dinners. Hey, I'm eating cake for dinner. Here's my bikini body. Huh? Humble brag. And I'm just like, no, no, I'm eating cake for dinner. Like I have no energy. I, um, I can't get it together. Oh, look at my apartment. That's a wreck. Sometimes, you know, I would ride to work and I would think, oh, I hope I don't get hit by a car today because if they ever went to my apartment, they'd be like, <sighs> "Somebody lives like this." <laughs> so that was like what was saving me from getting. Hit. <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> but as um, a good friend of mine said when I went to this last um, triathlon, I said, "Oh, Julie, I have so much stuff to do." She said, "Hey." collect the medals now deal with the repercussions later
0: <laughs> there you go
1: yeah um I'll put that on my whiteboard <laughs> yeah but yeah this whole idea of instagram where everything is good everything isn't always good and yeah like i said i hope i put it out there that um you know what i struggle to but what keeps me going is I really have good friends and family who help me through it. And, you know, my family, my family is tough love. Like Corrine, who's like, you have shingles. People are dying from COVID. Or um, my mom is the most tough love person I've ever met. Um, <laughs> Celine, this is a weekend of my wedding. Okay. Weekend of my wedding. And she looks at me and she says, Lord, Nikki, you have to stop the running. It making you ugly. And I was like, Ma, seriously? Oh my Lord. <laughs> And you know, and it's not even something to make me feel bad because she doesn't think like, my mom just like doesn't worry about emotions. I remember, I'll tell you a story about that in a second. I was like, mom, seriously? And it didn't even hurt my feelings. I was like, yeah, I know. Like it has, running makes me gaunt. And um, I was like, you know what? She's looking out for me. She's like, you know what? Make sure, I think it was her way of saying, make sure you fuel, make sure it's like prioritized all the other stuff um yeah i i forget what else i was going to say on my mom but she um oh remember my parents had decided to come to the states when um when we when i was younger and uh, my mom came up when i was 8 okay mm-hmm. And the idea was that my dad would come up with the rest of the family after, but at the time, you know, sisters were in graduate school and like for the older sisters, it didn't make sense. Let them finish school down there and come up. And for the two younger sisters, we'll we'd do this. And you know what, after like a year or so, I guess my dad figured that America, I can't live in America. And so my mom said, well, this is what we decided. So I'm going to stay in the States. We'll do a commuter marriage for 10 years. And yeah, exactly. We're going to do this and provide opportunity for the kids. And my dad was going to come up like three times a year. We didn't go back to Jamaica for three years. It was so sad. Um, And I said to her later on in life, I was like, mom, when you did this, like, were you sad and lonely? And her response was, sad and lonely. Nobody have time for that. We had things to do. And that's yeah, she has always been somebody who knew what the task was. And you can't let your emotions stop you from doing that. And you know, it's one of those things where like, so now we're talking a lot about mental health, and you have to decide what. Um, so it's that balance of, like, what makes you I don't like feel secure, live your best life, all that stuff. I don't know, but for my mom, her best life was making sure that her kids were provided for, and making sure that everything that you know what she got satisfaction by like nurturing, fortifying, uplifting others, um, and that's how she has always been.
0: Well, speaking of the, I wanted to before we got wrapped up here i wanted to talk about your giving back because you know i know that many women you know i've had other racers on who you know hit the 50s and they're like they've achieved a lot in their lives and they want to sort of you know get in the karma bus and 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 bring some people with them and you know i know that you and your husband also work with um you coach triathlon for underprivileged kids in new york Is that true? How did that come about? Yeah. So,
1: you know what, it's not just underprivileged kids, but um, so we have a triathlon program um, through my school that um, introduces people to triathlons, right? And it's what does a triathlete look like? And so you think, oh, this chiseled body with and then um, we come to show them that a triathlon is the body of a triathlete is. Look in the mirror. If you want to be a triathlete, you can be a triathlete. And we have one of the speakers, Roderick Sewell, who is this African American, above the knee, double amputee, who has completed an Ironman. So, not who you would have thought of as a triathlete. Mm -hmm. And he's such an inspiring, aspirational um, speaker who lets them know of his struggles, uh, how, you know, what, he was homeless at one point, and his mom basically. Um, quit her job so that she could get the health care coverage um, to provide him legs, because those things, well, I mean, they're so expensive.
0: They're so expensive. Uh, yeah.
1: And so last year, um, we, had, um, we had some students who were not from the school who participated. And our goal, and so this year, um, everybody who participated was from um, the Riverdale Country School. And, um, and just because of COVID protocols, um, we weren't allowed to have people outside the community participate. But our goal is um, to grow this program um, and introduce it to other schools, and then have those schools sponsor um, students, um, not from the school to participate in that. And so it's um, the underprivileged part of it is a long-term goal. Um, yeah. And um, But beyond that, like when I said I married up, the, my husband has done so many um, community-based um, events where we give back. For example, he, he um, hosts this stair climb race or um, like silly things like the donut mile or the taco mile. And, um, with that, the, you know, all the proceeds or, you know, partnering with a local coffee shop and any of the coffee bot, um, goes to all of the proceeds go to challenge athlete foundation, or we had things go to locks for love girls on the run back on my feet. Um, I have done, um, a program in South Africa where, um, Sumbandila is an organization that they directly help, um, 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 disadvantaged students um, come into the school system to then go off into all these fabulous careers. And um, and I went down there, I think it was three times and taught for a couple of weeks. And, you know, it's, um, it's an organization that's dear to my heart. And I feel like, okay, this is something that I want to support. And to be honest with you, I'm a teacher. Am I making... whole lot of money I'm not but you know what I make more than enough and anytime I it's funny because I think in terms of ever making more than you know what I did 10 years ago or whatever or even last year I think not that I have more money to put in the bank but I'm able to be more generous and there is so much joy in knowing that not like your savior or anything, but you made somebody, you know, what, smile, feel good, have access that they didn't have before. Oh, you know what? Do I have an extra bicycle that somebody could have that then jumpstarts their their, you know, healthiness, whatever it is, like, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it has been, it has been a joy talking to you. Is, is there anything that you wanted to, to address that we haven't talked about?
1: Um, I guess the only thing I would say is um, surround yourself with people who support you but also call you on your bullshit because it <laughs> no, because if you hear all the time, you're so great, you lose your sense of reality. And then also it's gotta be hard to just look in the mirror each day, think I'm so great, but I'm a fraud, right? That's good. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm so great, but also I'm full of shit. And, um, and then also for when the I'm so great when people are saying stuff about you, where it's like that hurts my feelings. That they can you know that they can lift you up and say, hey, you know what? Maybe some of that's true. Maybe none of that's true. But hey, you know what? Here's an arm. Let's go have some coffee. Yeah, and Celine, it's been such a treat talking to you. And um, and lately, I've been having these relationships with women where. I just meet them for a couple hours here and there. And I think circle. Yes. If you'd like to be BFFs. (laughs) (laughs) I pass a note to you. Yes or no. Yeah. But this has been so much fun.
0: (laughs) I don't even know what to say. Thank you so much. I hope that we get a chance to grab that coffee in real life. Indeed. Maybe I'll see you out on the gravel sometime well that's our show join me next week when i sit down with adina o'neill of real fitness who is a triathlon coach fitness motivator and a self-described back-of-the-pack racer who had a goldmine of wisdom to share you won't want to miss this one and until then as always stay feisty